Welcome to So It Goes. With me, Rob, and my co-host, Dylan. And today, we're speaking to poet Jeremiah Brown, otherwise known as Sugar Jay. No, I was going to say that, like, poets, like, the thing is, though, you normally sort of, you normally expect poets to be, like, the classics in literature. So to see someone take it on in a new form, and do things at like the Barbican and St. Paul's Cathedral is really mm. refreshing. You know, yeah, and it makes I can agree with that. It makes poetry a lot more interesting. Mm. He's a very interesting chap. And he's collaborated with so many people, which is some of the things we touched on in that conversation. He's got a lot of exciting things ahead mm. of him. And remember, yeah. as with all of our artists, you will find their socials linked in the bio below. Mm. Now, Without further ado, let's welcome Jeremiah Brown to So It Goes. Smooth, dude. Now for probably the most cliched question of the year is how's lockdown been for you um i think it's it kind of is what it is at the moment you know um i think it's been it has been difficult um i was i was supposed to go on tour like i had plans to kind of do different things and, and perform and stuff that that had to get cancelled um so there's been disappointment but i think at the same time as well it's given me the opportunity um, yeah, to kind of try things that I wasn't necessarily doing before. Mm. Um, so to, to, yeah, to, to do some courses, to do some workshops, to do some stuff and, um, yeah, just to kind of experiment in my writing a little bit more. I mean, it's given me the time and the space to do that. Um, and I've been fortunate as well, just still being able to get work, still being able to, mm. um, get some good commissions over the lockdown as well. So, um, there's been disappointment, but it's definitely not been like, yeah, it's it's been it's been a lot better than it has been for other people for me. So I can't complain too tough. Mm. Uh, I was going to say like I can't sort of fully picture what going on tour would be like for sort of a poet. Is it sort of is it sort of very niche art festivals, or is it sort of you get commissioned on I don't know like work for writing a script for something they want someone to do a poet part or something that rhymes so like um i was i was so i've got a theater show so um so the so i've got a show it's called little run with grandma um it's a one-person show it's a one-man show um there's elements of theater there's elements of poetry um there's bits where i'm i'm there i'm just chilling and talking to the audience um and so it's a it's an hour-long show um and so we were planning to take that to different theaters up and down um, the UK so so yeah so it was less in the capacity of kind of going around the UK as like a, a poet um, I know some people who have done that um, it's definitely not as lucrative as going on a tour as a musician I don't think anyone's selling out the O2 as a poet but um, yeah when with the tour was to be uh, a theatre show. So have those dates been confirmed for next year then? Um, still waiting? It's still part of it is just mad because you don't really necessarily know the 
position mm. that theatres are going to be. It could all change in. in a second, can't it? Yeah, and like not even knowing if, if they're going to be um, like around. Um, a lot of theatres are, are mm. struggling just to kind of be sure that they're going to be around at the moment. So um, I think for myself personally, it's, it's literally just been kind of putting that aside to kind of see what the landscape of um, 2021-2022 is going to be kind of going forward with COVID and all of that kind of jazz. Leading on from that, how important do you think it is then to protect these like grassroots venues and the arts in general? I think it's like, I think it's incredibly important. Um, mm. I think it's um, it's essential. Um, I think when you look at the way that we value the arts um, in the UK um, and from like a, a kind of a curriculum perspective and a government perspective, I think it, it's very easy to kind of, um, as soon as anything is to kind of get cut or anything is to get shafted, it's, it's the arts, it's, um, it's creativity. And I think what lockdown has taught a lot of people is that um, the dangers of lockdown, like it's not just COVID as a, a virus, mm. but like people's uh, mental health, people's well-being, like being locked up, being inside. Um, you know, the arts is is what has gotten a lot of people through different things. And mm. um, the arts is what a lot of people have missed. Um, and I think in terms of, of the importance of the arts, I personally hope um, that being in lockdown has made people see that, has made people see the value of the arts. And I think it is it's, it's pivotal. Um, I think it's scary um, when you kind of look at the landscape of theatre and, and live performance and, and all of that kind of jazz. I think the future is definitely scary. Um, but I think at the same time, there has to be a there has to be like a hope and a resilience um, because I think if if you don't if you don't have that then then it won't survive and I think mm. I think the arts is a resilient industry I think people are out here watching Netflix and watching TV shows and stuff and so many of like. Uh, I saw a tweet the other day that was talking about how Fleabag, like obviously Fleabag mm. um, by Phoebe Waller-Bridge started as a theatre show. Um, apparently The Crown as well started as like from theatre. Um, and so I think there's there's a lot that kind of people maybe don't realise that sort of starts and originates in theatre. Obviously I May Destroy You um, is by, mm. by Michaela Cole and she obviously um, began like just making her own stuff being being involved in in kind of live performance as well and so um when you look at like the creative industry when you mm. look at where people are coming from what people are doing like it's important um it's necessary i think as well now because people have connected so much to the arts through this time of like this ridiculous time that it'll come back even well hopefully it should bounce back even stronger than it did so hopefully fingers crossed but i was also thinking as well like with all these changes happening currently one of the changes was that and i'm not sure if this has happened yet or it's going to happen but there was a proposal to take poetry off the gcse syllabus and i was just wondering as a professional poet like what your views would be on that um i think it's ridiculous 
Um, I think <laughs> I think it's I, ridiculous as well. So I think it it, it it's just I think what if you look at the curriculum and if you're looking at poetry, I think what you need to be looking at is how do we put more accessible poetry on the curriculum? Mm. How do we make sure that the poets that are writing for this generation um, and there's loads of poets out there that are writing for now. Like if you, even if you take uh, Roger Robinson's collection, A Portable Paradise, which won the T.S. Eliot Award, mm. um, he's not writing that you know, to win an award. He's writing that for people. Um, there's a lot of poets, poems in there that are directly for the survivors of Grenfell and are for that community. And so he's writing for real life people. He's writing for mm. um, for people that exist right now. Um, you know, there's uh, Caleb Femi's collection that just came out, Poor, as well. Like, he's written this for people. He's written this for where he's come from. And I think if you're looking at, at poetry and if you're looking at, at an art form that serves people and serves students um, and gives them an understanding of, of how to express themselves, how to provide um, for other people as well, like poetry is, is there. And so mm. instead of you to be like, oh, we're going to get rid of poetry or we're going to cut it from the curriculum, you should be looking at, okay, who 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 is who is writing like what are people doing right now like people are writing poetry people are mm. trying to to provide for people and offering something and poetry is something that you can offer and that you can give um and so yeah instead of of shafting it it should be something where there's you're looking at okay how do we um tailor this better to to serve the students um, and to give something to the students even more and um, something even more accessible because um, I know I, I at school I wasn't necessarily a huge fan of poetry because mm. I didn't even I didn't even realize that there were contemporary poets when I was studying poets at school I was like oh all poets are dead white people like that's literally <laughs> what I thought like it's what you kind of think poetry is and obviously if you stop and think about it you're like well that can't be true because you're reading mm half cast by John Agard as well. Um, so you know it's not technically true, but that's kind of how it feels. Um, and so I think there should be more concern with with that um, and making sure that that feeling is not the case. Yeah. Um, yeah, because yeah, like there's two things that I find that with sort of English and the arts, like I'm not, I won't particularly say that I, I was bothered about English, but like I find that it isn't always just the subjects. You don't have to necessarily want to do the subjects. It's like, okay, what can you do? If you're good at poetry, it's like, okay, you might not want to do that as a living, but you're really good at connecting with people and you've got really good social skills. Surely, even from that sort of perspective, they should still put it into, they should still have it in the curriculum because businesses or sort of other even science needs good communication and you don't always get that just from doing the one sort of the one discipline yeah there's a lot of like transferable skills and that's yeah. like that's the kind of the business buzzword is like oh what transferable skills do you have um and I think there is something about being able to uh, communicate with people there is something about being able to um understand emotions um to be emotionally intelligent there is something about creativity as well um just because you're not 
uh, going to be a, a creative, it doesn't mean that other industries don't benefit from creative thinking, don't benefit from emotional intelligence, don't benefit from all of these things. And so getting rid of subjects that lean into that more. I'm not saying if you study poetry, you're going to be the most emotionally intelligent, like always creative person. That's that's not it, but it, it is, you want to also access the subjects. You want to put time into the subjects that do lend more to that and do kind of lean more to those things as well. Cause yeah, I think, I think as, as technology kind of increases as, we spend more time in front of computers and in front of screens and just with the virus and with COVID as we spend time away from people um, and thinking about how it affects young people as well. Um, like engaging with people and knowing how to talk to people and knowing how to relate to people and knowing how to, to do all of these things, um, lessons that maybe you just learned from kind of being around people it's going to be different. So there's going to be that conversation that maybe is happening in three or four years and who knows the fallout on, on children and, and whatever mm. kind of going forward because of, of COVID or because of this situation or just because of the advancement in technology and stuff. We don't know. So we can't just be getting rid of, um, yeah, we can't just be cutting off and getting rid of things really nearly mm. like it, it doesn't, it, it can't run. I mean, is well, like, because when I did poetry, it was such like a narrow aspect of it. So it was like, William Shakespeare's great, and I think he's a genius. But at the same time, Sonnet 116 may not connect with, like, all of the people who were in the class. And I don't think Shakespeare, when he was writing it, had it planned that that would be performed to a load of kids who aren't interested. When you have, like, these amazing poets like Linton Kawazi Johnson who's done so much for the spoken word and he's not even mentioned in the syllabus and then like you could even say to such an extension there's people like Stormzy maybe or Mike Skinner of the streets even though it's not like the conventional forms of poetry they've still brought that poetry into the 21st century and it's still a form of the spoken word so it should really it's a travesty, so to speak, but it really is like, it does need to be protected, I think. Yeah, definitely. But like there's, yeah, the the curriculum and how it, how it speaks to young people and how it, how it kind of progresses with, yeah, how, how it progresses and, and obviously how do you incorporate new, new interpretations? How do you, how do you speak to, lyricism of, of artists and and the poetry that comes with with music and hip-hop and rap and whatever like those are those are conversations that you know can the people who are setting the curriculum have these conversations are they I don't know um I don't know but I think at the bare minimum you can't be getting rid of what is already there mm. like that's that's the bare minimum yeah so uh if I could ask about your affiliation with the Barbican as well, because you came through the Young Poets programme, didn't you? Yeah, so I I did uh, Barbican Young Poets, which is a programme uh, led by Jacob Samuel-Rose and uh, Rachel Long whilst I've been doing it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a community uh, that like the initiation into it is almost is a series of of workshops that you do uh, for the year 
um, and it, it runs annually. I've done it three times now. Uh, I think the first time I did it was in 2017, then I did 2018, um, and then I took a break, and then I did, well, that's not right. Basically, I've done it three times, but they weren't all back to back. Um, and so, yeah, so I've got a long-standing relationship with them in that front. And then I've been commissioned by the Barbican as well for a number of different projects, including mm. um, Subject to Change, which I did a couple of years ago and I did this year as well. So this year I did it with um, Gabriel Jones, um, mm. who is also a poet, but he's a producer um, as well, goes by the name of Bumpkin. Um, and we made a track and we made a track called Pandemic. Um, and that came out in October for the Barbican's, um, yeah, for the Barbican's uh, subject to change. I have to say, like I saw that on the internet on YouTube, and it was like it was a really moving video, and I thought it was one of the most, I think, important videos I've seen in the entire year. So Thank I was you. just wondering, like, how do you approach something? like that like where's the starting point um so it like first and foremost it's a it, it was a collaboration um so me and and gabriel um and yeah so it, it it um so the commission was to create a piece that responds to the month of the year that you're kind of assigned so responds mm. to kind of what is what is happening and what is going around um and so because me and gabriel were collaborating um we kind of we just talked man we were just like okay like what like what are we feeling like right now like what's kind of going on for us and so we kind of just talked about just everything that's kind of going on and it's it's hard to sort of be like oh okay so how do you feel like wh what would you say sums up the times or whatever it's, it's hard not to sort of talk about the pandemic and so I sent Gabriel a clip um from the wire because that was also something that just kept going through my head. It was like mm. pandemic, this that pandemic. <laughs> like that's yeah. like throughout the course, like before even the track, that's just something I would be saying out loud because it's just like everything that happens or something happens and it's like, damn, that's that pandemic. Like that's that's kind of what it is. Um, so I sent that to Gabriel um, and then I just started writing. Um, so Gabriel took the sample and he kind of was just like thinking on that and like, starting to sort of make some stuff off of the back of that and off the back of that energy um and I was kind of writing I wrote a poem I wrote like like two separate verses like I just had like mm. different ideas um and then I went to Gabriel's place like when the lockdown had eased for like a little bit I mean we were like and he was like going back to he was going back to Wales so we were like yo we've got like a week or like two weeks to like get like mm. just rock, like get something so I, I I went to his and he shared me the beat and I was like yo I've got some stuff for this um and it was really cool because I basically shared everything that I had and in my head I was like it sort of say I had three things in my head it was like okay it's gonna be one of these three things and he was like they all fit like they can all go like they all fit on this thing and I was like, no, nah, I don't really know. Um, but I've worked with you before, so I trust you in it. So let's let's try it. 
um, and and we tried it and and it worked and it and it fit. And so from from that point forward, um, and then Gabriel came with the idea for the video as well. Um, and like I was like, yeah, let's do it, let's try it. And and so yeah, so yeah, it's just it's a collaborative process, and I think it's it's just kind of a conversation about how things are going. You just have to kind of write, like you just have to kind of put it out there. You kind of just have to kind of take it in, and then and then you sort of you respond. But it's 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 hard not to get like it's all happening like it's, it's all kind of happening so like mm. that response is is in you yeah mm. yeah because um i found that with this year it's felt like it's felt like sort of each month's almost been like its own year's worth of history condensed into like a month so if you base a project around one month you can go it's it's like the definition of like a time shot like when you've wrote it it's gone that is like a stamp of what you were thinking there and then so mm. it, it'd be quite interesting sort of when we've interviewed like artists and musicians we've found that create that some of the like the creative process has been sort of it's the lockdown's been really good for the creative process like when they've released stuff so has it been the same I'm, presume it's been the same for you if you yeah so i think it's like it's good in in different ways um so i think there's been times where so like even just working on on a separate project with gabriel where we were like okay whilst the kind of lockdown is up um to an extent let's record what we can record and then and then call and then whatever happens and then we can be working on stuff separately um there's also an element of just kind of like it just lockdown happens in waves and so like when it's different so you're just feeling different things and sometimes like having all of that time to yourself and like that space sometimes that's really good and like that's really helpful to like your creativity and stuff but sometimes like you want to go and like live life and experience a little bit so that you mm -hmm. can kind of get out of your own head um and and that opportunity is not necessarily there so I think um it it kind of goes in waves on that front but what is undeniable as as a kind of creative is that you have time um like you have time um and not even just covid but there's been so many things kind of going on in the world as well just like mm. it's like every day and i think that is tiring um and that is that is draining i think from an emotional point of view but i think it is also there's things to say um there's things to to talk about and so yeah there's there's time and there's things to talk about and that doesn't necessarily always mean that it's easy um or it like it, it's like you feel good about this time but there there is there's there's time and there's stuff to write about mm. how important would you say then is it that through the arts we shine spotlights on these issues all around the world whether it's like coronavirus or the numerous issues in america mm. and things like that i think it's i think it, it is it's always like it's always important it's always relevant i think mm. spotlights spotlights being shone on thing are things are are good but i think it is and i think it's difficult because you you've got people who are doing the work who are who are always speaking about things who are always saying mm. things and um who are making the art and who are being activists and da, 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 da. and so i think when 
when it opens up and there's more people being made aware of things, I think that that is good. I think the role of the arts in that is important. Um, I think sometimes it, I think sometimes you just need art. Like sometimes mm. I think you need you need art to say stuff. Um, and I think thus the role of, of art is, is important because sometimes you need people to see things or you need people to feel things mm. um, or, and whether that's to convey a message, whether that's to act as a bomb, like whether that's to act as healing, whether that's so that people can feel seen, um, so that people can be made to know like, no, nah, like you exist, like you're here, or whether that's as a form of escapism. Um, I think the purpose of of art is 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 pivotal and is important, um, and I think that people are doing that work, and I think that that work is happening, and I think it will keep happening, um, and I think that yeah, the space the space for that needs to needs to be there. Mm. I agree with that so much because sometimes like you need art for things when it's you can't put it in words, but you can express yourself through the form of art and it's that like almost iconic thing of from tragedy comes this like beauty or comes this release of like I have to agree with you there too yeah so so like for people who were recognizing your voice you were part of the nationwide adverts and the tv just wondering how did that come about and where did that start uh so that came via the poetry takeaway which is an organization um run by this great guy called michael bolger at the moment um he's been running it for years now and basically it's a burger van that goes to different parts of the country filled with poets and poet those poets write poems uh for strangers um and so it's that's like that's that's what it does um and so uh, Nationwide and Michael were in contact and they wanted to do a series of um, adverts and they wanted to commission poets for these adverts. Um, and so um, that's how I ended up in contact with Nationwide is, is through the Poetry Takeaway and through Michael Bolger. Mm. And so from from there, a bunch of poets were have been commissioned over the years by, by Nationwide. Um, not all of all of the nationwide poets are, are commissioned through the poetry takeaway, but a large, a large, large proportion of them. And yeah, and then and then that was it. So I've, I've got I got a commission, and it was quite it was quite free. And so so I, I wrote for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember seeing them adverts, and at first you'd, you'd watch it and you'd go, you just you won't even go wonder what this is. You'd watch the whole thing, and they'd be doing like a poem, and you'd think you'd get really engaged and it would come up with Nationwide and think, holy shit, that's an advert. <laughs> and you'd be really hooked into it and you'd come back thinking, that was really good. Mm. Thank you. So I was just wondering as well, uh, you were commissioned to do some work by St. Paul's Cathedral. What was that like, writing for St. Paul's? Like, How would you approach a project like that? So like, I've had a few commissions with St. Paul's um, over the years and like so it started off as 
through Jacob. Jacob got um, a bunch of, of young poets to have a residency. Mm. At, um, Jacob Samlerose got a bunch of young poets to have a residency in St. Paul's Cathedral. And so we spent a week there in the cathedral, getting tours, finding out about the cathedral, all access um, workshops and stuff. That was wild. Like that was like St. Paul's Cathedral. It was very overwhelming, I think, as a mm. as a building, like kind of when you first go in there. And yeah, and so having access to, to that building um, and then off of the back of that, we were just, we were there and we were writing and we were allowing the place to kind of inspire us. Um, and from doing that, there were some other kind of commissions that came about. And so I remember doing the alternate Advent Commission um, mm where that was a lot of fun, where we were basically a bunch of different poets were given parts of the nativity story to, to write about, um, to translate into a poem. So we were given mm. a passage of scripture and then asked to translate that into poetry. And so that was fun. Like that was, that was, that was fun to do. And then getting to go up into the rafters at St. Paul's Cathedral to record it as well. Like I've been in, in some, yeah, in places of, of the cathedral that not everybody gets to go to. So that's that's been a lot of fun. Sounds quite exciting, right? So like, yeah. when you were first starting out, did you ever imagine you'd be able to collaborate with like St. Paul's Cathedral? Like, it's, it's funny, I think, whenever you're like, and it's, I was literally just having similar conversations with a friend where it's like, kind of feeling like, oh, I'm not doing anything at the moment, or I need to be doing more, or I should be doing X, Y, Z. And then you, you know, you stop and you think like, okay, so five years ago or, you know, five, six years ago, like if I projected forward and, and I'd done all of the things that I've done presently, you know, I, I'd be like, right, this guy's sick, this guy's doing great. <laughs> um, and, and so I think, yeah, when I think about like having collaborated with Nationwide and St. Paul's Cathedral and selling out my show and, and doing different things mm. like that, um, I, I don't think, yeah, I think kind of starting out, like, it started as a hobby, innit? Like, I, I started doing it as a mm. hobby. Um, and 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 so kind of projecting forward, those weren't the things. I didn't kind of go into this being like, okay, I'm going to establish myself as a poet because no one, no sane person says like, yes, there's mm. money in poetry. I'm going to make a career of this because if that's, if that's, <laughs> if that was, <laughs> how people decided career paths that's that's madness like you don't you don't mm. do that um it kind of it kind of happens to you and then you're like all right mm. now that this thing has trapped me I need, I need to figure out how to make this work so yeah so that that happened and so I think I'm very grateful um for the opportunities that I've had the places that I've been able to to go to and I think yeah sometimes you have to think on it like you have to really sort of stop and think about the things that you've done because I feel like at whatever stage of your career that you get to it's so easy to to like forget or to not appreciate like a couple years ago you would have been like absolutely like blown away by certain things that you've done or you would have never have seen it coming or mm. you would have been so so happy do you know like I remember like the first time I was booked by, um, like booked to feature at an open mic, as opposed to like just coming and like signing up, but like actually getting booked to like feature and headline it mm. and stuff and like just a little open mic. And like, um, that was a super big deal. And, and like, when I was at that point in my career, I was just like, oh, I see all these people featuring at events. And like, I wish I could do that. And I wish I could get there. And so 
yeah, I think it's all about perspective. Um, and I think it's so easy to like not have perspective at, at what, whatever point. So yeah, man, like I'm, I'm very, I'm very proud of, of the things that I've been able to do. Mm. You should be very proud of some of the things you've done are like genuinely amazing. You, yeah, you should own it. <laughs> if I were you, I'd be like walking about going, look at all this, St. <laughs> Paul's Cathedral. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, like we've not touched on it yet, but you perform under the name Sugar J, like a yes. nom de plume. I was wondering where the name come from. It's like, how's it derived? Yeah. So, um, my surname is Brown. Um, and so when I started doing poetry, um, I didn't like, it didn't ever register to me that you could do poetry under your own name. I would thought like, yeah, like you have to have mm. um, an alias. And maybe that's because I didn't want to use my own name in case I was just really bad. Um, <laughs> so, so I was like, okay, I'm going to be Brown Sugar. Um, and I was Brown Sugar, but D'Angelo, the song Brown Sugar by D'Angelo just kills everything in YouTube, man. Like, so when I was starting out and I was putting up these really bad videos on YouTube, D'Angelo, like, mm. I couldn't find myself. Like, and if I can't find myself, no one else is going to find mm. me either. Like, I'd have to type the exact thing in. Um, so I was like, no, nah, I'm changing my name. Um, and so I went with Sugar J Poet um, so that I could be seen. Um, and, then it, and then it stuck. So, yeah, so it's, it's literally to... To, uh, to escape D'Angelo, we went from brown sugar to sugar J. Mm. I mean, that anonymity can really help an artist like that differentiation between people, so. Yeah, yeah. it's like, so like, I, uh, in part, was, so like, I like that I have an alias now because I have it. Um, there was definitely a time where I was like, why, why am I called Sugar J? I was like, there's, so I've, I've, I've been in love and out of love with like having um, mm. an alias and, and a moniker. Um, but yeah, it, it works. It works for me. Sometimes I use it. Sometimes I don't. Um, but I think it, it, it helps me differentiate between the stuff that I do and some things feel more like Jeremiah Brown and other things feel more like Sugar J. So that helps. So would you say then there's a big difference between when you're performing as Jeremiah Brown and when you're performing as Sugar J? Uh, it's just like, I'm not, yeah, I don't think it's like a big difference, but I think there's some, some things it feels. So like if I write a play, for example, that's Jeremiah Brown, like, he wants mm. to write a play and I, I would love to release a fantasy series one day and that will be Jeremiah Brown mm. as well. But um, that'd be amazing if you did then. Yeah, that that's 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 like yeah, that's 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 probably one of my biggest dreams. But yeah, like if I'm doing something more like performance-wise or musically and working with stuff on that front, that that often feels like yeah, Sugar J sometimes feels more appropriate there. Um, and so, yeah, I think maybe because Sugar J kind of started out from a performance kind of doing lots of spoken word and doing lots of performance. So the kind of the more performancey, musically, musicality kind of stuff feels more like the Sugar J stuff. And then mm. the kind of the stuff where it's it's straight writing 
um, and I'm not involved in the performance side of it, um, that feels more like Jeremiah, Jeremiah Brown. Um, but I, I, I don't take that super seriously. Like I'm not mm. like, this is Sugar Jay and this is Jeremiah yeah. Brown, and like there's there's it's not that. It's just I think what name sometimes I'll attach to stuff is that's I think how it works a little bit. Mm. All right. Yeah, it's like when um, the way you said that, it's kind of like with the thing I thought was like with uh, Donald Glover for like his acting stuff, he uses Donald Glover, but then for music, it's Childish Gambino to sort of like yeah. separate the like the different st- arts that he's doing. Yeah, like, yeah, I basically that. So I'll just finish up with some fairly quick questions we ask like a lot of the people who interview. So, so like dream collaborations. If there was like a place you'd love to collaborate or an artist of some sort, who would it be? Oh, wow. Um, I would... Uh, oh, mad. Uh, Anderson Pack would be one. That'd be amazing. Um, I, would, I would love to do something with Anderson Pack. I think... Thunder, Thundercat, I would also say I would love to write something that uh, I feel like there's, um, I'd like to write something that Adrian Lester would be in. Um, mm. And I would like to, yeah, that, that would be one. Um, and then I'd love to, I'd love to write something that Sope, Shope Derisu would be in as well. That would be a lot of fun. Um, and I, this wouldn't be a collaboration, but I would just, I, as in like, I don't know what the collaboration would be, but I would just love to be like, to watch Michaela Cole do work. Like, mm. I'd just like to, just be there and just I don't like yeah I'd just like to be in and around her her. yeah I'd like to be Mm. in and around her creative process so Mm. so her as well that would just be really cool she's such a talented performer though and writer and creator so I can clearly get what you're getting at just yeah I just want to see like yeah because what you do is mad like I would just like to see that Mm. the genius behind the magic Exactly, yeah, yeah. Mm. So if there was like one album or like just one piece of like art you would have for the rest of your life and that would be it. So it could be like maybe a film or a CD or a piece of artwork or a poem, what would it be? Yikes. Um, One. Or you can have one of each if you want. One of each. Okay, so I one album. I am going to. Ah, oh, wow. Uh, uh, I think Malibu by Anderson Park will be my album. I think I have other albums that are my favorite, like that I prefer to it or that I would say are better albums. Mm. But 
in terms of like vibes, I feel like yeah, the album is vibes. Um, mm. So I, it would it would fit better. Um, and then if I had one film that I'm gonna keep, it would be Game Game Night um, because it's just it's funny. I can watch it over and over again. So mm. yeah, that would be it. Yeah, that's two pretty good choices. Yeah. It always throws it always throws everyone off when we ask like if you had one album to listen to for the rest of your life. Like you know, it's such a hard thing because you have people sort of lay back in the interview going, Oh yeah, I like this musician, and then you ask them and they freeze. Cause it's, it's so, so prob- like it's hard, like because I want like I want Hoodies All Summer, like I want Government mm-hmm. Tropicana, I want my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, I want um, section 80 like mm. I want mm. even um, we'll be kind we can throw some more albums in if you want there's, to mention there's, them there's loads there's, there's, yeah sorry yeah I, was, I can keep I can definitely keep going it's hot it's if hot. you could only listen to a hundred albums what would it be exactly <laughs> like, yeah or maybe actually you know it might be Big Conspiracy by Jay Huss that might that mm. might actually be that might actually be, yeah. I don't know. If we keep going, I'll I'll change albums like five times. But yeah. <laughs> so either Malibu by Anderson Pack or Jay Huss. Big conspiracy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, like, where do you draw your influences from? Like, if, is there one main source you're influenced in your work, or? Um, I think. So for me, like, I feel like life is an influence. And so the people that I have around me, my friends, my family, mm. um, like what's going on in the news, I think in terms of just like reading as well, um, reading is a big influence. And so I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to to kind of get into playwriting at the moment. So I'm reading a lot of plays um, and I'm finding, like I'm finding that really useful. Um, I've like poetry collections, um, huge influence as well, like novels and stuff. Like, mm. yeah, so like reading and then like music too um, is is a big is a big influence and in, like different different artists. And I think I go through moods where it's like those will be more strongly. So there will be times where I'm like more into reading certain novels or like mm. reading like looking for novels and like Yagayasi or Chimamanda or Chigozi or Bioma or um like yeah like I'm I'm doing I'm doing that sort of thing and then there's times where it's it's poetry collections and I'm like mm. Teresa Lola or like Hibak Osman or like whoever um and that's it and then yeah I read I read Fleabag the other day I haven't watched a TV show but I read the the play mm. and I was like, yo, this is wild. Like this is sick. Um and stuff like stuff like that. I read um Ear for an Eye as well was really, really interesting to read. And I was like, I I wanna know how this was staged. Um and like yeah, stuff like stuff mm. like that. So those yeah, I, I think consuming um Consuming is really important, mm. like consuming art. Um, also, like, 
I was watching Attack on Titan the other day, so I just started that and like I binged that and um, I was writing lyrics and I couldn't get Attack on Titan out of my head. Um, I'm currently watching The Office as well. I just watched all of Modern Family that's available mm. on Netflix. Um, and I realized there's like bare seasons that aren't on Netflix as well. So once I finish The Office on Prime, I'm going to go and finish uh, Modern Family as well or mm. whatever's and find that so yeah so like I just I read and I watch but I watch too much television mm. <laughs> well the next question I was going to ask was what gets you through lockdown like yeah but I think we may have touched on that in the last question yeah 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 bear, like lots of Netflix lots of Amazon Prime lots of reading lots of music and like drives as well. Like I'll just go and drive um, and like just park up somewhere and like read and write and stuff. Or mm. I'll just go for a drive just because, because like, yeah, like you can't go for a walk somewhere and then do anything afterwards. Like you mm. can just walk and then you have to come back. Whereas when I drive, I can drive somewhere, stay there for a bit and then come back. So, so mm. yeah. Well. I think all there is to say now is thank you very much for agreeing to do this and mm. being part of it. And it's been amazing to, to speak to you. No, thank you. Thank you for having me. Once again, thank you very much to Jeremiah Brown for taking part and agreeing to do the podcast. As with all our artists, his socials will be linked in the bio below. Don't forget to subscribe to the So It Goes podcast to never miss an episode. And leave a comment below. Thank you for listening.